Welcome to the ACR Bulletin Podcast, the show where we examine the latest trends affecting radiology. I'm your host, Chris Hobson, and today I'm joined by Chris Tremel. Chris serves as director of the American College of Radiology's Data Science Institute, or DSI. The DSI empowers the advancement, validation, and implementation of artificial intelligence in medical imaging for improved patient care. Chris, it's a pleasure speaking with you today. Yeah, thanks for having me today, fellow Chris. Absolutely. Yeah, you're the first Chris we've had on here. I think that's great. Well, we'll try not to let that trip us up. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we'll be focusing on artificial intelligence or AI and something called AI Central, which is a tool developed by you all there at the ACR DSI to provide easy to access detailed information regarding FDA cleared AI uh, medical products that are related to radiology and other emerging, I'm sorry, and other imaging domains. Uh, But before we delve too far into AI Central, I was hoping you could give us some background as to what the DSI is and the purpose it serves. Sure, Uh, so the DSI was created by the the, the board of the ACR about five years ago now. I've been on here for about four years as director. Um, really, what we, well, the reason why DSI came about is that um, all of this hype uh, news going about how AI is going to change healthcare, right? Now it's going to play out with it. And there, there's a lot of truth to that. But what ends up happening, there's only two ways you can really take it. You can either, A, say, we're going to get involved with this and try to get ahead and try to make sure that we're helping craft the change so uh, the profession moves with it and then we're providing better patient care and to be applied correctly or you can kind of you know bury your head in the sand and say hopefully that this just washes over us and doesn't affect us um acr decided to go with the first route so that's really what our goal is we want to try and combine you know the, the, the strengths of our members the the the, the subspecialty expertise that our members have about patient care and medical imaging um, and then use our status with ESR as an honest broker to help bring the industry and the regulatory bodies in to actually make sure that what's being done is, a, is providing an advancing, safe, and effective um, patient care. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for that context. I think it'll really help inform the discussion. Um, now, turning to AI Central, uh, can you please explain a little more detail what that is and how it can help? It's, I, like I said off the top, it's a product you all have put out through the DSI. So if you could explain a little more detail what that is and how it can help members in their AI implement, implementation journey, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, actually, it's kind of an interesting story on it because um, what, so what it ends up, what it is in the end, it's a listing of, of all the known at least known by us, um, medical medical imaging AI products that are out there. Um, we actually created it because as we used to, were talking with lots of members, other societies, other folks out there as well, we had started compiling a list like this internally, just anecdotally from talking to folks because you need to kind of get an understanding of it. And so I think it was actually the RSNA in 2018, 2019, that we were like, well, let's just post this online. This is all public information. Cause then at least when we're out there talking to folks, we can quickly bring up the website for ourselves, even if, even mm. if no one else uses it. Sure. Um, and then after we, we posted up, it actually became very successful. I would argue we had got lots of inquiries about and built it up. Um, so uh, this last year we did a big revamping of it. Cause when we first started, there was 15 products that I, mm. that I think we had on there. Um, and since then, we're now at a listing of about 188, maybe it's 192 wow. now off of there. Right, a jump. And so we had to really change how it worked to help members be able to do things like, you know, say you're an abdominal radiologist, you're interested in what's in that subspecialty area. So you mm-hmm. can filter down on that really quickly and see here's the 15, 20 odd products in that area. Or you want to know what's available for triage versus CAD-E or CAD-X. And so we try to categorize in that way to help help members really quickly figure out what it is they care about and what's out there in the marketplace today. 
Sure. Well, and we'll go ahead and include a link to AI Central in our show notes, and I'll mention the, the um, URL at the end and everything like that so our audience can explore a little bit more. But before going on to the site, uh, you, you actually just provided some, some high-level examples there. But, um, you know, I guess if you could provide examples of, like, what's the most common reason you see maybe for people visiting the site and how they kind of narrow down the range of possible AI solutions, maybe just an operational understanding of how yeah. someone could go there. Yeah, so, so if you go there, when you first go there, what you see is kind of a, a listing of everything out there in more of a tabular format. Um, and then there's different search fields and filter fields across the top, similar to what you might be used to, say, in Excel. Um, and then each of the rows is a link that can drill down into specific details about that product off of it. So for instance, you might say something like, you know, I'm um, a radiologist who's like the abdominal category. Um, and we're talking about maybe doing something specifically with our CT images. We, we, we wanted to see what's out there off there or, or we're interested in that one. So you can quickly filter down and say a subspecialty abdominal modality is CT and you can then see all the products that are currently available for that. Um, then what we do further on that as well is one of the hard parts that's out there for this is like just because you've seen a, a website that says this or you talk to someone at a, at a conference that said here's a product we have. Um, so what we try to do as well is we actually pull information out and try to categorize it. This is based on the FDA um, 510K documents that they have to produce with the FDA that say things like, you know, here's what the actual use is for. So oftentimes they'll say this is only used for triage or this can be only used as, as a caddy, you know, it highlights an area behind it. And also get folks help to help understand, um, and this is an area we want to expand over time as a place will do, is this meant to be used for all types of patients or only adults? Do pediatric patients, is that something that's been tested and verified with it? Um, there's also a lot of stuff too in this area about just how widely validated is this? Because it's, it's a huge variation of, what I mean by that is oftentimes in the, in, in the clearance, we'll see a huge variation of some products won't make any mention of how many radiology cases it was tested on that to, to verify oh, ourselves. Right. Some will have a very minuscule amount. They'll say, we did this on 100 cases. It looked pretty good. And there are, and there are some that have said, you know, we've, we've done this on 50,000 cases across 18 different sites and stuff like that. And the reason why I'm trying to call out of that out too is one of the hardest parts that we see as members are trying to pick this up in their practice is usually it's trying to understand is, will this actually work for my practice with my demographics, with mm -hmm. my sure. protocols and procedures and go from there and trying to help folks get an understanding of, you know, how much, just how, how much uh, scrutiny you might need to add an additional that you're not necessarily used to doing for something that's a modality, say, or another type of equipment. Sure. No, that's, that's a great high level view of that. And I'm wondering, um, you know, as I guess comprehensive as the site is. I mean, something I recently learned is that uh, you know, although a large number of FDA cleared AI products are actually listed on AI Central, that number actually only represents a portion of the AI products available to radiologists. So I'm wondering if you can explain why that is. Yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll try to do my best because it, it gets into some <laughs> of the nuances of what the FDA does and what sure. AI is and how it plays out. So um, please stop me if I'm saying it that makes oh. just jumbled no sense at all. Sure, um, I will do. Well, the, the first one off of here is that um, what we can what we can do today that we can accurately that we're going after, like so we're looking at ways to advance in the future, is anything that's been explicitly filed with the, with the FDA. Because if mm -hmm. you're found with the FDA, typically it's a 510K or maybe it's a de novo. There's not really many de novo ones out there. But it's a document that the FDA said, yes, we validated your claims. Here's proof of it. It's, it's public information. 
Um, so we, we go through um, month, every month the FDA publishes their new set of products, so to speak. And we go through that and try to figure out what looks like it's medical imaging, what looks like it's AI and goes from there. And that's how we get to this 180, 182 we're, we're about right now. What that really represents those is two things. One is the vendors who are selling that product as an independent product. So for instance, a lot of times where you'll see AI actually being in use today, that's kind of subtle is say in your packs or mm -hmm. in your modality. You bought a new modality um, and it says maybe it has motion blur detection on it. Odds are that's probably using AI under the hood, mm -hmm. but it's not being called it as a separate product. So it's just kind of falling underneath that CT machine or underneath your packs and how it plays behind it. So a lot of that stuff's not necessarily included, although there are a few in there where like um, they'll call it as a separate module you can sell. I because see. those just get wrapped up under the hood, so to speak. Another thing that, that we can only really capture with this is we'll only get what the FDA has under its purview. What I mean by that is, is um, FDA says, obviously, if you're um, diagnosing or you're um, a therapeutic aspect behind this, and most AI out there today says we're assisting uh, physicians, you know, CAD, right? Computer-assisted detection, computer-assisted mm -hmm. evaluation. So what that ends up meaning is that most AI is not gonna fall, or most systems are not gonna fall into the FDA's purview with the exception of if you're product interprets pixels. That's something the FDA has explicitly called out. If your product looks at pixels to make its, um, its output, it's under the FDA's view. So what I mean by that is, is if a vendor makes an, a product and they're saying we explicitly look at the pixels and say the DICOM study, then it falls under their purview, they need to get 510k clearance for the most part. If they say, we don't look at that, we look at a report and we look at the patient's problem list in the EHR, we look at patient demographics and we make a output from that. As long as they're not claiming they're making a diagnosis, it's generally not under the FDA's purview. So okay. there's a whole separate area like that as well that that's falling out. And that we're seeing that a lot in, um, in radiology and like the non-interpretive stages, so the things you want to at your reading workstation, but things mm -hmm. around patient scheduling, around, um, uh, helping out your, your, your tech and helping. There's a lot of efficiencies that are going that around billing and areas like that as well. Yeah, and I, I, on this podcast, we talked to Dr. Christoph Wald and he was talking about uh, uh, AI he uses to triage emergent cases, mm -hmm. especially in the overnight hours. When you've got, when you're sh more short-staffed uh, or if you happen to be short-staffed, they can, they can act as a second pair of eyes to help you prioritize your work list. Stuff yeah. like, is that what the kind of thing you're talking about? Kind of, that, that one actually is a little bit different. So most of the triage uh, products out there will actually look at the image itself. Um, mm. And they'll say, based on this image, um, we believe this is a high priority because- Oh, I see, it might be okay. A hemorrhage and so on. Um, so almost all those actually do fall into the purview. Oh, good to FDA. know, okay. Um, and actually okay. on the website too, there's a, there's a type column we have, and that actually falls into the, the category of CAD-T. So it's actually computer-assisted um, uh, detection for triage. I see. Okay. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say one one side really interesting on CAD T from this that actually I think has thrown the whole um, not the industry for a loop, but I think really kind of changed the dynamic a little bit from what you might expect from traditional vendors in this area is because what CAD T does is um, just says is this a high priority? Is this possibly a high priority or not? Right. Um, the barrier to entry is is actually much lower than saying we think this is truly a diagnosis. That um, was that was what I was wondering because yeah. it's because it, you have to as a radiologist at least in Dr. Wald's case mm -hmm. he would have to still sign off on that. Yep. You know I don't think it's not an automatic 
recommendation or something. And yeah. Even with like a cat X, there's still a physician review aspect behind it. But the way that the FDA kind of rates it is, um, have you ever seen the uh, autonomous vehicle stuff that, um, that the, the DOT has where it's like level one, level two, level three, level four? I think I have. Yeah. It kind of says like, as you're moving on up, there, there's more scrutiny over, uh, over what it is. All right. Sure. And that's kind of what it is. Whereas cat T is kind of at the bottom, even though. Uh, um, so a lot more gets out the door that may or may not be as valid, but from the FDA standpoint, and just from a, a use case standpoint, right, it has less impact on, on direct patient care because they're just, their claim is right. And I think it's fair is we're just prioritizing the work list. We're not telling the radiologists that there's an intracranial hemorrhage or there's a pneumothorax and so on. We're just saying this looks like a, there's something odd here. Here's a high priority. Okay. And just to um, tie that back, that those types of that type of technology would appear in AI Central. It sounds like yes, because okay. almost, almost all of those look at the actual pixel to, to make gotcha. those decisions. That makes perfect sense to it. Okay, now thank you for setting me straight on that. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully that that all, all made sense. It does. It actually yeah. really did. And I hope people. I encourage people to go back and watch Dr. Wald's episode too. Um, it was really interesting. Now, um, what trend? I guess I mean. You know, we've talked about kind of everything leading up to this point. I guess in the here and now, what are some trends you're seeing technology-wise, maybe in radiology, as it compares to other specialties? Um, so I think probably a big one off to here is uh, radiology across the, the healthcare world, so to speak, I would argue in terms of AI is really on the bleeding edge. So huh. uh, and I, I could, we could go into a whole thing about why that is, which we'll probably skip over for today. But essentially, I would argue is radiology is more advanced in this area because there's been a lot more tension on radiology. There's a lot more push in radiology behind it. Um, and now we're starting to see a lot of this stuff hit other specialties. Huh. Um, and, and in a variety of ways. And so one of the things that, that we've been seeing at the DSI and we've been um, trying to work through and encourage and provide materials around is helping set up our members and radiologists to be the experts in their area. Because mm. a lot of the same stuff that was going through radiology, say three years ago, is now starting to hit, say, ophthalmology, dermatology, primary care, uh, surgery in these different areas. Huh. And so, especially with how interconnected radiology is with all these different spots, um, really we're seeing is that this is a good opportunity for, for radiology and radiologists to really be viewed as the expert in the organizations around the adoption of this technology, what it means, how to, how to really take it on to, as we were saying before, to really better improve patient care across the board. Really interesting. Okay. Well, that, that helps us situate radiology in the, the, uh, the uh, spectrum there. Well, I guess now we've talked about, about leading up to in, the, in this in the this, the kind of the uh, the moment. But what about the future? Now, where do you see AI going with respect to something like well, we could take this in so many different directions? But something pet project of mine, population health management. Sure. Well, maybe we could start there. And if you have any thoughts in any other realms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a couple of ways I think it's really important off here. So one is um, population health management has always come down to is can you get data? Can you get discrete hmm. data? One of the hard parts in radiology has always been due to the time pressures that radiologists are under. Um, it's the, the, essentially the ROI on making radiologists generate discrete data, like here's a discrete measurement in a way that's not part of your text report, just hasn't made sense because of how, how things play. Like everyone agrees structure reporting discrete data is the right thing to do. It's just economically never been very feasible due to, due to the, the constraints that folks are under. So one of the really interesting things there is AI can really help out in that spot by actually doing a lot of that grunt work, so to speak, by oh. generating those aspects. Now, still in the end, the radiologist would have purview over agreeing, rejecting, and playing up in there. 
But as it happens, now you can start imagining worlds where, say, a chest CT has been performed. Um, and we've been calling this opportunistic uh, quantification, where now you get, say, five, six, seven, a couple dozen different measurements off of there. And that can be sent down the report in discrete manner. So now you, from a population health standpoint, now you have additional data points, just like, say, you know, some of your vitals and labs and so on that you can use. Um, a couple other really interesting areas too with this that, that I think helps out population health management, especially, also, especially population health management, because it's, it's meant to be at a scalable global level, right? Mm, right. Yeah. That is where humans are very, very poor at numbers, right? <laughs> um, and that's essentially when we really, when we talk about AI, we're really saying data science, hence data science and student data science is really saying, how do you analyze and pull correlations and, and detail out of just essentially a huge big bucket of data, right? Big, big mm, data, so to speak. Right. And so applying some of the different methodologies to as this data becomes more richer and more higher fidelity and larger to be able to tease out what are the different types of populations and what does that mean? All right. So it was really interesting is like, so today a lot of this the stuff we're typically seeing is from well-known, well-studied trends. Things like I'll use lung cancer screening, for example, right? Where it's like, if you fall into this category of doing these things that are independently verified, that means you should be follow up with lung cancer screening or you should be a smoking cessation program or these different aspects. Right. Or, but what you could start getting after, I think it'd be interesting. And we're starting to see some of this happen where you can use a lot of these, these data science techniques to start finding new correlations of possibilities. Now, I always call it the hard part with this is you can't, don't assume because a machine did it, it's right. Right. What it's finding is it's finding correlations. It's finding here's an interesting pattern. These types of patients, when this particular data points there has a relationship, mm -hmm. it may just be completely coincidental, right? So for instance, one, one I remember hearing about just as an example of how you have to be on guard is um, possible patients who might develop sepsis if, during an inpatient stay. One of the, um, one of the highest uh, data points that could help correlate that was marital status. Now, does that actually mean if you're single that somehow, you know, you, uh, there's a higher, you know, that actually causes the disease to actually incur more? No, but it's probably a stand-in for other environmental effects and other data oh. points that we don't know, right? right. Or right. it could just happen to be that. Or there's another interesting one too of um, a study that was done to generate an AI model for detecting pneumonia. So a little bit different population health, but essentially what AI did was found the pneumonia patients um, typically were done on a portable machine. So look at the DICOM study, it's all portable as a discrete field. And it basically just said, if portable is yes, then it's pneumonia. It just said, it. and it had a pretty good rate of success, right? Oh. So that's where, what's really interesting with it is, is they can take all this data and help you find new correlations. But you still want to do the analysis afterwards to figure out, are these correlations real? And if they are real, what can we extrapolate and do more in-depth aspects on? Hmm. What's interesting about it is they can do this stuff really, really fast. So we can take all this data and start finding you know, three, four, five different correlations of what that can mean. Like, will a patient, patient potentially develop diabetes? Will they potentially develop other long-term chronic effects? And break that out to in a way where now humans can start diving into that and start actually better understanding to see what's applicable and what's not versus throwing humans in right from the very beginning, which is a mm -hmm. much, much longer drawn-out process. Right. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully that all made sense. I kind of went a little Yeah, bit, it did. I mean, I, a little too in-depth on that. No, I, I'm, I'm glad you skewed to the kind, kind of clinical because you can also, and you and I talked the other day, so I know, you know you're well familiar with the fact that you can also kind of apply 
things like predictive analytics or, mm -hmm. or, or really delving into analytics to help with scheduling things yep. or shoring up miscare opportunities, like predicting which patients might not show up. So really mm -hmm. like deploying nurse navigators to help shore up those mis potential miscare opportunities. I mean, there's all sorts of applications and, and it all is under the purview of population health management as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm glad you kept us in the clinical realm there. That's, that's probably most interesting to our audience. So I would think. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, a lot of this stuff is what, what's interesting about this is, and I'll tell you, and one thing we didn't quite hit on with this one is, um, so we kind of talked about here's all these new players, and that's a lot of way of an AI-centric making new products. You have a lot of, um, I'll say, the established players, right? And those are the ones really like put into your packs, your your modal, and so on. There's another really interesting field that I think is going to be where um, a lot of I think the high impact innovation is coming from, and that's actually internalizing this at your organization. So it's interesting, and we're seeing this more and more of a lot. So at first, five years ago, right, it, it was happening where you thought, where they're setting up their own data science uh, centers, right? Sure. It'd be all the, the normal suspects you'd, you'd anticipate, you know, the big R1 institutions, we get all the grants, and they're trying to make publications. And now we've been slowly seeing that move out of just those to maybe the R2s to now just even the large community or large private practice ones. Because what's interesting about it is that so much of this can be operationalized, but also so much of what we're talking about, like this population health management aspect, right? Mm. So much of this is honestly going to be custom to what you're doing at your practicing your ways. Sure. And what the technology and techniques can do can help you better understand what you're doing, what your patients are doing, how things are happening at your place. So it's not always so just drop it another spot and you can use it. Um, and the technology itself is becoming easier and easier to, to, to pick up on internalize. So we're seeing lots of folks essentially make internal custom AI or internal custom data centers to best help them out with their own investigations, their own, um, their own research and their own operations. That's so interesting. And uh, Dr. Wald, uh, just a call back to that earlier podcast I keep bringing up, but he was, he was quick to mention that if you don't have the resources to do something like that, that it's perfectly okay to go outside and, and talk to vendors. And uh, and I'm sure, hopefully, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, but maybe DSI could help facilitate some of that. I don't know if you guys are there yet, or if you have plans to do anything like that, or? Um, well, we, so we, we always have plans to do a lot of stuff. Um, the, way, the, 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 the line we need to walk, and I'll, I'll kind of have why, like, we don't just have a straight yes on this at this moment. Sure, sure. Um, but the line we always want to walk is, you know, we, we want to support our members and be there for our members first and foremost. So there's always this line of being an honest broker behind it. So we don't, uh, so you have to be a little careful about saying, here's the right vendor for you, or here's the uh, right vendor. Now, what we definitely want to do is help members be able to say, help navigate that aspect, help them know what questions to ask, mm, what's out there, how to get started, how to protect what you're going after. So for instance, um, a slightly different one, but I think is a good, um, a similar pathway was uh, a while ago, a lot of what was questioned is still out there, but like, how, how do I handle data share? So mm -hmm. some vendor want to, wants to work with you, they want access to my data. What's the right thing to do there? So what we didn't do is go in and say like, well, you should sell a CT at this much money because that, that's what it was. But we did try to do is say like, well, here's the things you need to watch out for and think about. So for instance, okay. we saw sometimes vendors doing things like, you know, slip into the fine print. They're talking to you about how they want to be able to use your data to make a better product for you to, to make what you're using better. And then in the fine print, they'll say, oh, also we can use all this data for whatever we want afterwards as well. Right. Probably not what you want to be able to do. Or like <laughs> right. slide in, oh, we also now own what happened. So we can resell this to whoever we Yikes. want as well. And so little things like that that come off of it, or 
you know, we saw a few cases, now I'm picking all the really bad examples, but just this is why we kind of put this up together, um, where, yeah, the vendor came in and they talked to the radiology group and the radiology group saw what they were doing. So, hey, no, these are not good agreements. Like this is not a good, we're betraying our patients this, or we're not, we're not following proper procedure here. Sure. And do the integrated nation of healthcare that's happening a lot. They went, okay, well, we're going to go talk to the internalists and see if they'll sign off on this because that's how we get access to it. Oh, things boy. like that. Now, sure. luckily, a lot of stuff has died down if the industry become more, more mature. But that, that's a good line of like what we're thinking about. How, how do you work up with um, vendors in the same way? We don't, we don't want to be in the position of just being, you know, being the matchmaker relay between our members and vendors. Okay. They should be able to choose the vendors they feel right. But we want to make sure our members are equipped to be able to properly engage with them. Well, thank you for clarifying that. I, I, that was something I didn't know. So I'm, I'm learning a lot today. I, I think our audience will too. So, well, thank you so much, uh, Chris, for this really interesting conversation. I, I hope you'll come back and periodically update us on, on all the goings on in technology and radiology. Hopefully you'll be open to doing that. Yeah, I'm happy anytime. It's really more like more along the lines of you probably don't want me to come back so often because I'll just keep <laughs> going on and on and on. Yeah, you'll come at the, the pace of technology. So we'll have yeah. you weekly now. <laughs> well, um, I guess to that end, uh, you know, till next time when we talk, uh, where can you direct people to for more resources if they want to learn more? Yeah, the, the easiest way is um, acrdsi.org. Um, it has, that's that's all of our online resources on there or it's linked off of there as well. It's how you get to like AI Central or other stuff. We have like AI Lab. Um, the e-learning hub on different videos and materials. Um, and then also on there too, if any of our folks listening have any questions or inquiries that want to follow us on there, we also have a contact page that, that you can use to fill in and we're, we're happy to, to talk with folks and members and help help address their issues as best kind of their questions. Excellent. Thank you so much for, uh, for being there and being so flexible for the members. Well, and for our listeners, if you have any ideas for future show topics, please let us know on Twitter at the handle at RadiologyACR and please include hashtag ACR Bulletin Podcast in your tweet. We love to hear back from you. And um, I also invite you all to check out all of our past episodes at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And uh, be sure to subscribe to ACR's YouTube channel. Stay up to date on all of our latest video, latest episodes. We have quite a few up there um, from, from our past archive. Uh, and finally, please hit the like button on this video if you found it valuable. Thanks so much, Chris. We really value your time and, and please do come back. Yeah, thanks for having me today. Absolutely. This has been the ACR Bulletin Podcast. See you next time.